1: Welcome to the Brandon Peters Show and the continuing journey of the Summer of 93 at 30 series.
2: It's the Summer of
1: 93 at 30. A weekend by weekend look at the movies released during the Summer of 1993. As always with us for this, we have from The rap coming from out of town to invade this happy little place, it's Scott Mendelson. Always a pleasure. I didn't think of anything quippy this evening. Please forgive me. All good. And the writer for We Live <laughs> Entertainment, Variety, Why So Blue, and host of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. He's busy building his house of hoyles. It's Aaron Newworth. It's a real menace. For menace, today we'll be discussing The Weekend. That was June 25 through 27 of 1993. We got three films for you featuring uh widowed people. So fun. <laughs> so, uh how's everybody? Given the order of last season, I have well. so
3: thoroughly forgot what the third movie was for a second. Oh yeah, that's right. Thanks. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good one. I was so overwhelmed oh, yeah. by how much <laughs> the other movies left an impact.
1: We oh, yeah, this this episode was a lot. Like,
3: I mean, there's there's a lot of directions we're going in this There's
1: movie. this is this, you know, may end up being our favorite episode, your favorite episode, but if you watched along, we're here with you. We we powered through. <laughs> and one of them was fine to watch. But two of them have left a lasting impression on my life in many a ways. So, uh, but of course, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna bring the news to you. When I wake up, don't you know I'm gonna be. I'm going to be the man who brings the news to you.
3: So that's uh, that's it. I want to thank uh, Bruce Springsteen for being here. What an evening. And, of course, Tom Hanks.
4: Stop <laughs> beating the sheds! <laughs>
3: the next time we see you, folks, it will be uh,
1: Monday night, August 30th at 1130. Have a good night. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. June 21st, 1993. A revival of Lerner and Lowe's musical Camelot with Robert Goulet as King Arthur opens at the Gershwin Theater in New York City and runs for 56 performances. Did Jackie Ogo? Goulet. I don't know. June 22nd, Wilson Pickett pleads guilty to auto assault due to drunk driving. You You on the jury for that one, Scott?
5: How old do you think I am? I don't know. (laughs) All
1: right. Uh, Also due to a third, Nigeria's military dictator, General Ibrahim Babaginda annals results of presidential elections and halts a return to democracy. You'll have to wait. You'll have to wait, democracy. Just another year. Just another season. Then after the harvest, you can go with... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did you, what did you say when Biggs was in town? All right. So also also on June 23rd, the United Nations auth- authorizes worldwide oil embargo against Haiti. Uh, and on the next day... Hey dad, Haiti. Yeah, on the next day, a Yale computer science professor, Dr. David Gelertner, Geller- he loses the sight in one eye, the hearing in one ear, and part of his right hand after receiving... A mail bomb from <gasps> Wilson Pickett. Wait, wait for it, wait for it. Charlotte Because <laughs> he played him
3: in a movie 20 what? years, 30 years later. <laughs> well,
5: it can't be Jeffrey Dahmer because he's already
3: in jail.
1: No, he didn't mail bomb people, Scott. Oh, right. My mistake. He, he, he mail dommed people. <laughs> he cut them into pieces. He didn't blow them into pieces. Because he's male. He... Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. Do you like Dahmer on Netflix? You'll (laughs) love our conversation.
3: On the <laughs> on the YouTube stream, I assume it says "callback" on the top of the <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. Callback, callback, callback. Oh, <laughs> uh, June twenty fifth, late night with David Letterman airs for the last time on NBC. Wait, he was wait, never heard from again. You
5: explained that it was the Unabomber. I assume it was a Unabomber. It was right? a, Yeah, no, I <laughs> it, the,
1: I put my hood up and acted oh, like okay. I I'm- had shades because I have a mustache.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I said Charlotte Copley. We all laughed yes uh, i wasn't
5: actually watching the zoom video but i'll take your word for it
1: yes but not a guest uh Some of us pay attention during the summer at 93 and 30 right <laughs> um
5: well, so yeah amber john wayne Gacy? yeah
3: hmm. uh it's our least favorite john wayne <laughs> it's a close call don't get me wrong
1: <laughs> so Let- letterman uh leaves nbc which that was a big ordeal which oh. God. There would be a reprisal of it a couple decades later. Oh, well, were there was there difficulty naming other talk late
3: night talk, talk show hosts <laughs> in the future?
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> yes, yeah, maybe. How is that not, not
3: a movie yet?
1: <laughs> Some might have even got well, the job and take, take it away from them. But
5: um, the you know the the one we're talking about now is and Letterman you know, when Carson left. That is a movie from HBO yep. called the, the Late Shift. You know, highly recommended. Them? Who plays them? Don't think they're played by anybody particularly famous. I mean, they're in the movie, but they're not the main focus. Okay, there's like a
1: on. there's like a face fat suit for the one guy to look like L- Leno in it. I remember. Oh. I think.
5: Look, Kathy Bates is the protagonist. I believe she plays Are Leno's manager.
1: Okay. Um
5: but yeah, and you know, at the time it was this, you know, ridiculous inside baseball scandal, like, oh well, that's never gonna happen again. And then in 20 Leno is Kind of sort of leaves Conan O'Brien finally gets his dream to be the host of the Tonight Show, and then ratings are bad, and NBC panics. They try to put Leno on this like ten o'clock at night variety show type thing that is a total disaster. So nine months later, uh, they throw Conan O'Brien out and bring Leno back as the host of the Tonight Show. Well, yeah, yeah. we'll, well, we'll then,
1: talk about that
3: in the summer of two thousand seven. Yeah,
1: well, I, I think they pushed Leno out earlier than he kind of wanted, gave him that one slot and then Conan they're like you want to go back to your old show for a couple more years and then we will and it, he was like no fuck you I'm leaving but this happened right. with Letterman he was supposed to be the successor to Tonight Show and didn't get it um so he left and started his own thing on CBS which is still running right now uh with Stephen Colbert so and uh, he was leading
5: Leno's Tonight Show almost you know Consistently for the first couple years, Mm -hmm. until the one night when Jay Leno, in the summer of 1995, had as a very special guest Hugh Grant. Just like a week or so after he got busted with a prostitute, Mm -hmm. and that was such a must-see TV event that tons of people turned into Leno, and Leno took the lead and kept it from then on.
1: Well, didn't wasn't like, wasn't there like a Letterman thing where you know when Drew Barrymore was having her bad girl phase and she like. Yes. flashed him and that turned people off like oh what kind of show is this it's like yeah okay it's david yeah i i do not know the reaction to that but i do remember mm-hmm. that happening yes yep. so. um but, i like conan uh, conan's conan rules so <laughs> just throwing that out but there <laughs> conan conan replaced letterman for that that gig yep. uh on nbc so
5: and it was an infamously weird off the re- you know outside-the-line pick. And that first year or so, it was pretty awkward. Yeah. But he, uh, he... He's never done it before. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he certainly grew the into writer, the That all, goofy guy? <laughs> and by the time I was in high school, it was a pleasure to watch on the regular.
1: Oh, yeah. I was a long-time fan there. And then, in this weird history, we wind up with Jimmy Fallon being the host of the Tonight Show. So... <laughs> All right, uh, June 25th, uh, Gladstone. Are, are we done with late night talk? We are done with late night talk. <laughs> oh, there's more. I'm moving on, <laughs> is, that, is that all oh, all right? There's more. Let's <laughs> let's not forget the Chevy Chase show.
5: I the think Jeff- you mentioned it last week. Yes, we Arsenio Hall. We, yeah, oh. as we were talking about the
1: foils pop commentary for some reason it came up. Um, James Corden is about to leave. Tom Snyder, yep. what a chap. Um, uh, yeah, we got. <laughs> Craig
3: Kilborn uh, got second place in a hot dog eating contest at the <laughs> end. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, so, uh, June 25th, Glastonbury Festival in Pilton, England opens with the Black Crows and the Kinks headlining. Other performers included Winston Marsalis. Uh, what does he look like? Uh, Robert Plant, Velvet Underground, Hothouse Flowers, Van Morrison, John Prine, Rolf Harris, Lenny Kravitz, and the Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, on June 25th, also the same day, Kim Campbell becomes the 19th Prime Minister of Canada, although she would remain in office for less than five months. Women, right? Smash the subscribe button. Hit that subscribe button. Oh, on June 26, Rebecca Did she outlast ahead of Lettuce? I don't know. Uh, June 26, Rebecca Jones, 18 years old, of Georgia, crowned America's junior miss. You love those pageants. Also, uh, that day, the U.S. launches a cruise missile attack targeting Baghdad Intelligence Headquarters in retaliation for a thwarted assassination attempt against former President George H.W. Bush in April in Kuwait. Bill Clinton going out for blood there. Who rode the missile to make sure it hit? I don't know. (laughs) I'd have to check. in
5: America? (laughs) (laughs)
3: But <laughs> Slim Pickens still kickin'? <laughs> Smash that subscribe. Yes, it rhymes. That's uh,
1: it was so also, on, uh, so speaking of Bill Clinton here, June 27th, Don Henley booted Milwaukee when he dedicates the song It's Not Easy Being Green to President Clinton. So they said boo. I don't get it. Either that was a slam on Clinton with the song or they're hardcore Republicans in Milwaukee.
3: Fair enough. Or Clinton's like a noted non Muppets fan and they know it.
1: Mm. It's
3: possible. He's more of a fraggle rock
1: guy. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a hand up his ass at Clinton. This one's for you. So, uh, so our notable deaths this week, Frank Morrow, actor, uh, Jay Leno's mom, Catherine Leno, passed away the same week he was taking over. Uh, former First Lady Pat Nixon, uh, mm. actor Jerry Stravelli, uh Baseball Hall of Fame catcher Roy Campanella. And then born this week, got two biggies, Beanie Feldstein, she was oh. born, and Ariana Grande, both born this week. <laughs> to celebrate, we will talk about our first movie, House of Cards.
5: Live home video announces a film so powerful, a story so moving. Ms. Matthews, when did your little girl stop talking? One of today's hottest actors, Tommy Lee Jones of The Fugitive, JFK, and Under Siege. You do need to come see me, you
2: know. I don't believe she needs to be treated by you or by any other doctor
5: stars with kathleen turner of this summer's undercover blues war of the roses and princey's honor in the widely acclaimed story of a mother's fight to unlock the secret that's trapped in the mind of the child she loves i'm sure you haven't missed the fact your daughter almost killed herself today twice house of cards she's alone somewhere the los angeles times calls it
0: magical where's the father uh, mrs matthew's husband died over there some
4: accident in one week's time a perfectly normal happy healthy child has presented a condition that is impossible before. stars enthralling raised the san diego
5: union tribune she doesn't cry she doesn't scream she doesn't even look at you not the daughter you want so badly
2: she may not talk but that doesn't mean she not tell me
4: something. This kid's condition is volatile. We don't have time to play games. While Screen International calls House of Cards uplifting, provocative, and emotionally honest.
2: Everybody goes off into their own world. Sometimes I do.
4: Oh, yeah, of course, we all do, but we come back. House of Cards is the odds-on
3: favorite as the number one sleeper hit of the year.
2: He's all alone. Alone and
5: House of Cards, from live home video.
1: Directed by Michael Lesac, written by Michael Lesac, on a story by him and Robert J. Litz. They were getting Litz, maybe, while this was happening. Starring Kathleen Turner, Tommy Lee Jones, Asha Menina, Shiloh Strong, Esther Roll, Park Overall, and Michael Horse. <laughs> Music scored by James Horner. A widow tries to find out why her daughter's strange behavior a reaction to her father's death is progressively worsening. All right. Who wants this one first?
5: Spoiler. It's not autism. It's magic. Um, This was an interesting picture. I forgot. Roger Ebert wrote an unusually vicious review of this 30 years ago that I vaguely remember reading. Um, And having watched it, I it's weird again you know I, I think if I had seen it in 1993 I probably would have agreed but now you know again sort of by virtue of what we used to take for granted it's like this isn't good but it's interesting and it's nice to see autism being discussed in an empathetic manner 30 years ago and Tom Lee Jones is spectacular he's probably he's arguably in a better movie one that was actually about the stuff that it pertains to be about without you know saying never mind it's really she really is trying to stay silent so she can hear her dead dad talk to her or whatever. Uh very well acted. Um, but I mean obviously quote unquote problematic by virtue of you know saying no, no, it's not autism, it's it's something very plot specific. And once you sp- find the magic switch, the kid is back to normal again. Um, but in the moment, I, you know, as an acting treat, I was like, okay, this is interesting enough. Um, but, which I guess is a long, short way of saying it's not a good movie. I can see why people hated it 30 years ago, but I enjoyed watching it once and only once as to see Kathleen Turner and Emily Jones and just an old school drama drama. And that's probably as kind as I can be to the film.
1: Kind you are. Aaron. There's a. um,
3: There's an old SNL skit with Will Ferrell where he plays a doctor and like Chris Parnell and Molly Shannon come in. and He's like lost their child. (laughs) And um, there's a point where Tim Meadows walks in and offers like nonsense talk. and just does the robot and then walks away. And Chris Parnell's reaction is, um, what the hell was that? That's that energy is what I had for this movie. <laughs> And telling that story was more interesting to me than watching this movie. Um, I was deeply saddened to forget what year David Mamet's House of Cards came out because I was like, Oh, this is not that <laughs> movie. <laughs> now on Tubi. Because I was very excited because I had like it's right here somewhere, the criterion of House of Cards. Because <laughs> that movie's excellent. This House of Cards is not excellent. I, I don't know who Scott's trying to appease by giving it a fair shake. <laughs> um, I, I thought you would hate this more than I did, uh, given your relation to autism. Uh, because this movie uh does feel just badly hand like just entirely misguided as far as what it's trying to like say about you know children on the spectrum and children that have special needs, and making that feel relatable in some way instead of this weird hokey version, let alone like, do, like there's a weird framing device that, yeah, sets up like magical realism and other cultures and how that factors into you know this poor white family. Uh Like, there's so much going on here that feels just misguided in the worst possible ways. This feels like the Mac and Me version of whatever better version of this movie exists. <laughs> um, I, I think like, you can say Tommy Lee Jones is... Doing the job here, but I don't think he's doing anything spectacular. He feels very bored in a way where Tom Lee Jones is fairly unflappable, so it's hard to kind of register what exactly is going on in his head at a given moment. But even with that in mind, he still seems very bored in this movie. Uh, I think Kathleen Turner is giving it her best in, in what appears to be a like a TV movie performance that happens to be a theatrical Sundance release. Um, but no, this this was a. Uh, this was not a triumph of will. <laughs> that's for sure. This was, <laughs> this, this was a this was a, a movie that certainly lasted a lot longer than it needed to, and felt even longer than that by the time I was done with it.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I was constantly in shock of the turn. Like this thing had me. Like we haven't. Any- no one said anything about the yipping. The yip 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 yip. You know, haunt your in mind and be like is it gonna stop is it going to stop is it going to like this girl like when something goes wrong she starts this yipping that's just obnoxious um it is this thing is takes wild left turns that I wasn't expecting um like the the VR scene and all that like I'm like what we're, we're going lawnmower man? the mid 90s so you like what and kelly Church is like oh God. it looks like a snl sketch of like your grandma doing like sex vr or something when she's on it <laughs> and <laughs> and also like kathleen church she's terrible in this like i don't know what you I was, i was like man is this like an oscar thing she's trying to do and failing because it's bad so, the language of this movie when they're trying to like be thoughtful about autism, yet there's a line, This is not the work of a retarded child. I was like, Wow, okay. Um, she's distraught, I guess, but man, that's a bit vulgar for that. I know it's 1993, but just okay. Um, it, yeah, it, there's um, okay, the opening credits. We're still going at the 12 minute mark because I felt like we were well into this movie and it was like, <laughs> it was like, you know, art design. I was like,
5: what? So, does Connolly Jones just have a run this summer of movies that were the end credit or the opening credits just seem to last forever?
1: Big time, uh, big time. They, um, <laughs> um they, they they they
3: had they paid James Horner for the score, so like we're gonna get yeah, all of damn score. <laughs> which,
1: which I'll tell you what, this score is wild because I thought I was like watching Hellraiser at times, like I thought it was legit gonna weave into the Hellraiser, like it feels like one of those like first two, three Hellraiser movies. And I'm like, James Horner did not do the score for the like, was he at spot? Like, was it a protege of his that did because. That was knocking him off. We didn't know it for years. And this was the masterpiece he was putting it towards because it's really close to Hellraiser. Like it like it does everything up to teasing the main riff of Hellraiser. Like it's like, oh, now we're gonna go back to the Hell. Nope. The house of cards. Um, and speaking of that, the opening has this weird exorcist vibe. Like, this girl's running around the ancient ruins, and there's these gods and stuff. And it's like, I'm like, what the
3: hell is this going to be? I had to reread the synopsis on multiple. Yeah. To make sure I was like, wait, <laughs> this looks like it said Tommy Lee Jones. So I'm watching the right. Yeah. Like, when, he shows up wait Yeah. But I had to make sure it's like, this is what this is going to turn into. Right. And it's like, I'm expecting a drama about a widower. Yeah. And it's like, you're like yeah there's this like almost supernatural elements going on at the beginning It's like what am i getting into where is this going i thought yeah, but we- it's, it's it's a weird fucking movie don't get me wrong no. it is a weird movie but it like is. Scott, like i hear like when you defend something like book of henry i get it like i can see where the things that were <laughs> in that film but when i watch this this is this is like the proto version or the 90s version of a thing that we desperately wish we could get today this is just a bad fucking movie <laughs> like it's just, it's, well, it's just it was a bad movie character. that i found myself compelled while watching oh my and gosh and i can't
5: defend you know you're all absolutely correct everything you're saying and i can't defend it now anymore than i probably would have defended it 30 years ago but it's one of those things that like i'm not going to say it's good i'm not going to say go watch it but for the purposes of watching it for this podcast it's like well this is this is interesting i'm over
3: time capsule viewing <laughs> yeah scott they like diagnose <laughs> autism and then they're like no no we just have to find the right words like <laughs> 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 It's like if Rain Man ended, it's like Tom Cruise just like slaps stuff. And I was like, snap out of it. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. And like they just like, like, walk down the street matching suits, holding hands. and Be like, we're good now. We're bros. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
5: Yeah. It's a ridiculous movie.
3: It, it is. is. It's absolutely
5: ridiculous.
1: And I thought when Tommy Lee Jones shows up, I'm like, oh, it's going to settle down now. Mark of he's, life. We needed. He's gonna He's going <laughs> to save us. And then he's just like. He's, he's newspaper reading Tommy Lee Jones where his glasses come down and he looks over a bit. <laughs> and, over. So and that's not, him the whole movie. Like
3: He's he's not telling great stories about dreams he had, though. Instead, he's like, ma'am, you got to tell me what you're different. Uh, what the hat's different. Turn your hat around. <laughs> and, is, and he
1: comes off as good because his yawning is merely decent and everybody else is pretty bad in this movie. And and he's not yeah. And his He's like not t- trying to heighten any of the dialogue like everybody else is trying to do. Um, and- well, that's
3: why I feel that he, he feels like he's in a different, more naturalistic picture. I agree, I agree. Yes. He's not like go, he's not natural born killers, Tommy Lee Jones. He's not going big. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, he, but he's still- also remember when Tommy Lee Jones used to go big every now and again? That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, like under- that's
5: in a, couple, in a couple months, I think.
3: We'll, yeah. we'll get there. He's not even going. I wouldn't say he's going big in Fugitive either, though. I no, a bit
5: he's, bigger, he's, but yeah,
3: yeah. It, it's a, you know, he has to be, he has I to mean, be. I mean, if, if he he you want to see new, him just like, and this is, you know, it works because of the
5: movie, you know, almost monotone. Uh, but, you ever seen the package?
3: Oh, yeah, with Gene Hackman. Mm. Yeah.
5: yeah. Oh, that, that one I quite enjoy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely, you know, everything you say is true. And, and, I don't I, – maybe I can't even explain why I actually enjoyed watching it, even though my brain knows that I should find this incredibly offensive on several levels. That's what
3: I, I kept thinking. Yeah. About, yeah, we're doing the show, so I'm sitting here thinking Scott's like – has to I – can, I can't see the – because I kept thinking of Book of Henry for just copy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, I was thinking, he can't go to bat for this like he would for that movie. Like, that makes <laughs> so <sense to> me.
1: <laughs> But you've given it the nicest, like, I didn't like yeah. this pass that I was like not <laughs> – I was like, whoa, <laughs> is he going to say he'd And I'm no. like, I I had enjoyment in, at times in this for other reasons in the, like, what the hell am I? Wh- that, why did they go there? What is the VR? Well, now they're building a tower. Like, what is I, it's. Yeah, you know, this, this is, is baffling this, and bad. Like, not in an entertaining way for me, either. It yeah, was, this is in the dregs in
3: films like Jack, as far as, like... <laughs> future, <laughs> no, that's like, actually a come, comparison. A, best like, awkwardly, awkwardly structured movies with, like, a high concept of sorts that have big stars in them. This is, like, down there with that. And this doesn't even have the saving grace
5: of the wonderful, warm, supporting f- performance by well-renowned good guy Bill Cosby.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jack has a crazy cast, by the way. Like, yeah, you know, that's it's a weirdly stacked cast to them. It movie.
5: reminds you that, you know, when she was starting out, Jennifer Lopez basically became a star by being like the one good thing in several very bad movies. Mm. <laughs> Until Anaconda and Selena, which got to be good in good movies. True, true, don't true. are done with this. <laughs> are we? Are we? Are, we, are we? Yeah, Sure. <laughs> let's move on.
1: All right. So let's see what it was on TV this week. Based on a true story. Siri! Her sister was kidnapped. Please don't sister. Then
5: she became the sheriff's bait. Kidnapper has a fascination with you. If he saw you again, it might trigger a call.
2: Please, let her go. The voice on the phone had no pity. The sheriff had no clues. The next victim had no place to hide.
1: I'll be waiting for you.
2: Can William Devane stop a nightmare in Columbia County Tuesday?
1: Uh, There was a show called House of Cards for a while and now we was it also not an
3: adaptation of David it, it, House of Cards?
1: It, it was in on TV back in 1983, though. So, but what was on TV? Number one, Home Improvement on ABC, but not. Guess, guess who didn't come right, right behind it? Normally Crazy. it's Roseanne, right? So. Oh,
3: he wasn't raising the bar this week. Okay.
1: Coach on ABC,
3: number oh, two. Coach. Oh, coach. They, uh, they ran out of baseball, so they needed
1: coach. The next thing is a. Rerun of the of the uh, 1991 CB or CBS TV movie Nightmare in Columbia County, starring specific starring William Devane, Jerry and Jerry Ryan, and Nick Searcy, and it was uh, the recounting of a terrible crime that racked a family and galvanized police in South Carolina in the 1980s, so it's one of those dramatizations of a news story that they like to do. With William Devane. On it's Netflix. William Devane, yeah. Of uh, Rolling Thunder, starring Tommy Lee Jones. That's right. <laughs> That's a good Tommy Lee Jones Which I just movie. again
5: recently watched for the first time on Tubi. Because oh, Tubi it. is the best streaming service in the world. Tubi.
1: And after that Super Bowl, everybody knows about it now. So uh, so now, n- number, uh, number four is another um, TV, it's a TV movie uh, called Liar, liar, colon between father and daughter, and this one stars
3: <laughs> in a million years. I could not predict that that's the words in that order that we're going to follow. Liar,
1: liar, <laughs> uh, starring Art Hindle, Rosemary Dunsmore, Susan Hogan, uh, Kate Nelligan, uh, Kevin McNulty, and Jewel State, uh, Firefly. Uh, and it's yep. about a young Canadian girl accuses her father of child molestation. She's upset to discover that most of the people in her life believe that she's lying about it and struggles with the public backlash. So, uh, liar, liar between father and daughter. <laughs> oh, but the, there's a there's a poster here that says liar, liar, a true story. So they must have taken out and they that oh, the, father and daughter. The slogan, the slogan is the truth goes on trial. Oh my gosh. A family torn up, a a family torn apart by the accusation of sexual abuse. Oh, geez. The gift that keeps on giving smash that subscribe button. Um, (laughs) Number five, it's McMartin, this motherfucker. Yes. Uh, Number five, primetime live on ABC. Number six, there's Roseanne on, on ABC seven, 60 minutes CBS 8 2020 abc nine forty eight hours on CBS. People love their damn news stories right now in the summer of 93. And number 10, Seinfeld on NBC. Alright, and it's uh, something that used to be a TV show back in the day is our next movie Dennis the Menace. The family hit of the summer is finally here. Hilarious, irresistible, rip-roaring, family fun, Dennis the Menace That's me! Rated EG. Now play Directed by Michael Myers himself Nick Castle <laughs> <laughs> He put a little bit of himself star, A little bit of the Star
3: it. of the Halloween trilogy
1: <laughs> 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 written, written by John Hughes, Hughes Based on characters by Hank Ketchum Starring Walter Matthau Mason Gamble Joan Plowright Leah Thompson, Robert Stanton, Paul Winfield, Natasha Leone, Devin Rattray, and the lovable Christopher Lloyd as Switchblade Sam. When his parents must go out of town on business, Dennis stays with Mr. and Mrs. Wilson. He is driving Mrs. Mr. Wilson crazy, but he is trying to be helpful even to the thief whose name is Switchblade Sam played by Christopher Lloyd. Who has arrived in town. I want to note up front, Nick Castle was the director originally of Sleepless in Seattle and left that movie with after disagreements with Nora Ephron to direct Christopher Lloyd as Switchblade Sam in Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, Aaron, you have thoughts? Uh,
3: I really hope that as we're talking there are images of Switchblade Sam populating <laughs> the various... It depends how...
1: I'll probably be lazy at this point editing these, so... We'll this see. is not this is the peak of the summer right here. Switchblade Sam. Um uh,
3: you know, it's funny <laughs> because last week we talked about true lies and how my biggest issue was the fact that Tom Noonan's character is just way too like big. It's just so like horror villainy at its worst in this movie that's fairly lighthearted about Arnold, where this movie has what must be like, you know, Christopher Lloyd, a, car- a man who's played the Judge in Who Roger Rabbit? A you twenty twelve, scary- you
1: twenty twelve, Mitt Romney, Tom Noonan, didn't you? <laughs> the big monster was coming later. Yeah, in this movie, Switchblade Sam is, like, the scuzziest, like,
3: worst evil-looking character Christopher Lloyd has played, and yet it entirely fits in the realm of this movie, because it needs to be that. (laughs) It needs to be the worst possible character, because, like, how could anyone stop this man? Well, if Dennis the Menace is around, who knows? Um... That's, Beans? Just part, that's just a portion of this movie, which I'd be happy to talk about at length, because Switchblade Sam <laughs> is such an intense character, like, in a different movie, this guy would be terrifying at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Lloyd should have had a whole series, this should be a series before the movie, and then they're like, what, Switchblade oh, it's Sam, is That is the menace movie?
5: <laughs> Switchblade Sam, Portrait of a Serial Killer.
3: It's such, and the score, I I, like, I hadn't seen this movie in decades, but the second the score came on, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, that's the score, like, he has his own theme, and it's great. (laughs) Um, This movie as a whole, I'm not going to say it's very good, I don't think it's very bad, I do think it's like like a warm-up run for a movie I do like, Baby's Day Out, also written by John Hughes. All right. I think in the realm of, like, kids' movies that are entirely built upon slapstick gags, I think that movie is actually legit hilarious. It's dumb. It's a dumb as nuts movie. But like Joe, <laughs> Matt, uh, Joe, uh, Joe, uh, House and Cards, Joe, uh, <laughs> uh, what's his face? Uh, for Criminal Minds. Um, oh, man, Joe Montana. Montana, I'm like Manganello, mm-hmm. That's not right. That's the werewolf. That's uh, a Mantania much bigger man. And Joe Pants and the third guy, the big guy. That's not Howie Long. Um, <laughs> they're they're them dealing with a baby. It's so much fun and everything. This movie like has elements of that because I again I think it's John Hughes's. Same in Home Alone, right? With, like it has this the way he handles like slapstick violence it when it's deployed well i think it works really well and i think the best stuff in this movie outside of switchblade sam obviously, obviously. Is, is the is the um mr wilson dennis stuff and i i do like that it's framed in a way where dennis is a menace but not in a way that's mean like it's certainly handled in a manner that's he is trying his best to be like you know have a sense of wonder and curiosity but not actually harm anybody and i i like that mason gamble and walter matthew have an interesting kind of chemistry in that regard walter matthew was great in this movie <laughs> um walter matthew by the way people always talk about what like you know george clooney's next Harry grant and brad pitt's next robert redford Harrison Ford has been doing Walter Matthau for years. And this is like, <laughs> watching this performance, I'm like, this is where Harrison Ford is now. Yeah. Watching Walter Matthau was Mr. Wilson. It's such a it's great, But he's but Matthau, and, and it makes sense because Matthau in this like, you know, 60s, 70s, he was a sex symbol back then. Like, it's crazy to think that Walter Matthau was a sex symbol at one time, but he was. So it's like, yeah, this is totally Harrison Ford. Anyway, Matthau is really good <laughs> his wife who what's his wife's name it's dame um uh what's her face um regardless the wilson family i these actors are very, like they are way too good for what this movie is like i really like these performances uh and matt yeah and matt mr wilson i again like that he's not just cranky old man he's a man who's just trying to be a good like he's doing nothing wrong in this movie <laughs> like the, the the worst thing he does is get mildly irritated and say, you know, say something mean to Dennis. Cause it's like, you just ruined something for me. <laughs> uh, but like the, the structure, this whole thing is based around is like very thin. Like it's not a mm-hmm. big, plot, but like the humor's there. It's there's, it's too like slight of a film for me to be like, Oh yeah, this is an old kids movie classic, but the work being done to make Dennis the menace into a 90 minute feature It's strong enough where it's like it's watchable. And again... Switchblade Sam <laughs> Such, a, such a, uh, a Unique like you just talked, Scott you talked about Ebert's review He hated this movie no he didn't hate this movie He hated, he hated the, the character He yeah. hated the fact that Switchblade Sam needed to be a thing In a movie that otherwise he really liked <laughs> I'm just thinking how is this Taking it down for you This, this should promote it up uh, I was waiting to see the three and a half stars on Ebert's review because that's his
5: late heart but Ebert Had a prude streak here
3: and there <laughs> So it's so dismissive where it's like Christopher Lloyd's doing the Lord's work. Switch play <laughs> I've talked a lot. So, what, Scott, were you? Right,
5: yeah. No, I I actually rewatched this three years ago just during that, you know, nothing better to watch and write about during lockdown summer. Um, I like it just because, I mean, again, I, I if you're going to make a Dennis the Menace movie, this is how you do it. And yeah, there's a case to be made that it's another John Hughes picture that's trying to cash in on Home Alone and in the same way that you know, Curly Sue and Baby's Day Out and this and whatever, you know, other films that I'm probably forgetting about offhand. Why wouldn't
3: you though? It's one of the exactly. biggest Yeah, yeah more of these. <laughs> yeah, and
5: also, you know, here it works. It's not it's not entirely outside the realm of plausibility. And yes, the fact that Mason Gamble is young I mean, a lot younger than the kid that played Dennis the Menace in the TV show that you, yeah. you know, some of us watched on Nickelodeon, where it's like he seemed like he was fifteen fucking years old. He's not, but it seemed, you know, it's like he's he's old enough to know better. Uh, this kid is young and naive and very innocent and has a certain literalist Amelia Bedelia streak, where he's, you know, he's trying his best. He's just going too far, or you know, offering answers to questions that nobody asked. That kind of thing. Um, and yeah, there, there comes math. I was genuine and solid and, you know, I, there was a lot of whining about switchblade Sam that summer. I'm guessing from, adult <laughs> critics that swear that something's too scary and disturbing for children but despite either not having children or not watching the film with their children and that's something that still happens today Damn. i mean you know i've countless times i'll read a review of a kid's film that i watched with my children and watched them enjoy it's like this is too scary and disturbing for children it's like I thought it was good my kids weren't disturbed i'm sorry yours are losers um, Joan Plowright that's whose plays oh yeah. yeah and yeah Leia Thompson is as uh, Dennis's mother the Back um, to the Future reunion the, future, the reunion or Back to the Future yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah I mean again it, it is what it is it was one of those films that came out you know in the years after Batman where Hollywood was trying to take every vaguely viable property that wasn't a movie before and make it into a movie and you know, production, you know, technology, production value, etc. You did see more, like, off, you know, vaguely off-brand television adaptations than you did big-budget oh, yeah. superhero movies. We got,
1: like, Richie Rich, Little Rascal, like, the kids movies. You know, you that Car 54, um,
3: Periscope,
5: is Periscope down based on TV? Yeah,
1: whatever. No,
3: it's, it's, uh, there's, there's Sergeant Bilko, because there's... Thank like, you, thank mm-hmm. you. Which I liked. I they're mean... All they're all around they're, the same... Yeah. Okay, fine. But they're all, yeah, they're all... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're all around and the same like. Area, as far as yeah. that weird sub-genre. Mikhail's oh, Navy is the other ones. Yep, you're right. Yeah, that
5: was I was thinking of, Mikhail's Navy. Um, as, as far as those things go, this is a decent one. Again, I'm not going to pretend it's some generational classic of its time, and I don't think it was ever considered as much then or now, but it's a painless, enjoyable, colorful, well-acted kid's flick. Yeah, we will get to the box
3: office, obviously, but wasn't it a, was it just yesterday. Was it a hit? Did it work? It's one of those movies that wasn't
5: just wasn't thought of as a hit at the time. Maybe that was going to do more. I don't know. But at the end of the day, it's a thirty five million dollar movie that did 117 worldwide. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah okay. Somebody made money.
1: Right. Uh so like honestly, this this is the first of a you know, had some and a couple coming, but like seeing like honest to God kids movies that aren't worried about pleasing adults mm-hmm. is kind of a refreshing like letting them have something that isn't worried about reviews that isn't like you know that just like hey, the kids have something, uh you can drop them off of that while you go see uh sleep in Seattle or something this weekend. Um and that's just I don't know, so it's just like a lost art, making these stupid kids movies. I think
5: Paramount has been on a run lately. Yeah.
1: Of, I mean, even going
5: back to the first Sonic the Hedgehog of kid adaptations that are kids films first. Yeah. And Clifford, um, I mean, yeah, the Paw Patrol movie, the
3: Door of the Explorer right. movie. Yeah, yeah the, Door the Door of the Explorer,
5: yeah. which was shockingly good. More yeah, people
3: needed know. to meet Creech, though. That was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, Monster
5: and even you know, g- g- you know. Beyond Sony, I mean, you know, Sony, you know, the the Peter Rabbit films, I think are very kid-friendly first. Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile, same thing. Um, So I do think in some way studios are getting back to that, at least with certain properties, where it's like, okay, you know, this is a property intended for children. Let's make a movie for children. Mm -hmm. And because it's good, hopefully, then adults won't mind watching it with them.
1: Yeah, I um. Yeah, I, and I thought this also kind of felt like testing ground for something that, like, type of humor snuck in here that, like, Shrek would perfect once we got yeah. to there. Like, there's some little, there I cracked up when Buzz from, I can't remember his name, from Home Alone's there. he's sure. reading him the train story, and he goes, you will realize all trains are impotent, uh, important, and I'm, I got a little <laughs> chuckle there when he tells Mrs. Wilson about his parents wrestling or something. She's like, okay, come in, come in, come in. Um, I have to echo, Walter Matthaus. Excellent in this. Yes, and, and it's because right. he's giving a performance. They wanted Leslie mm-hmm. Nielsen. I know what that turns out to be. And it's not as good and it's not as endearing because Matho treats it as a character, a person. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen would have been like, I know where the jokes are. I, I love Leslie Nielsen. He's good you at what he does. But he was already signed on to Surf Ninjas at the time, which we'll talk about later in the summer. Good. But Matho is good. What I love about it is because I don't hate Mr. Wilson. I not a hole. I get his whole thing. I'm actually almost on his side, and it's more it makes the the butting heads of him and Dennis pleasurable, um, and fun. Uh, and because just seeing how because Mathow buys into it. This is a guy in a drama rather than a comedy, almost. No, it's, <laughs> and, it's and... And because he's there, it's funny, like because he's he's funny because he's taking it that way. Mm-hmm.
3: He's not stereotypically mean, like he's never like he like he said he explains himself to his dad early on. It's like, look, I'm not a grump here. I just I'm trying to be a good neighbor. Like he's not like I right I don't I don't mind Dennis wanting to come over to my house. I just don't destroy my house. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right. And I uh and like uh, we've been talking about Switchblade Sam, but he feels like this feels like a, a product of this time where they're taking these like kids and they're like, Well, there's no villain, but we need to add one or make some sort of like physical means of evil that's in a human form to add. Because I look, I'm like, What's well, Switchblade, Bla- Switchblade Sam? Someone in the comics from Dennis the Menace when they did, no, he was oh. invented for this movie. Um, the likes of which is Christopher Lloyd, who He's, he's in a lot of these kids' movies, things like he was in Adams Family, My Favorite Martian, Camp Nowhere, Pagemaster, Angels in the Outfield, like Suburban Commando. Like he is kids' movie central, and it might be because, like, it might be a swift reaction on his part because he turned down Home Alone. So, and then that became one of the biggest comedies ever. So then when you know, Hughes comes to knock, he's a guess, whatever. But they were also looking at apparently for this role, Tim Curry. Uh, Michael Richards, uh, Daniel Tim, Stern, Will, Tim Curry uh, would have given us nightmares. Tim Curry. Yeah. Would have made <laughs> well, hold life. on, hold on. We probably would have got an R-rated Dennis Smith because uh, Willem Dafoe was one of them.
3: <laughs> Willem Dafoe in like what? Uh, what's it? What's it? What's the Lynch movie? Wild. Oh, oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bobby, <laughs>
3: Bobby Peru. Bobby, Bobby Peru comes dead can as the can you bring menace?
1: that Bobby Peru energy? to... But I think that's.
3: But I I. I That would also work, not Bobby Peru, but, like, that would work, though, because I do like that Hughes and whatever the work process was of developing this idea, it's it's not just, we need a robber. We need, like, the worst, scuzziest, like, despicable-looking, menacing character possible— to make just that much disparate nature between uh-huh. what the rest of this movie is versus this figure. And so right. the fact that Dennis is able to basically torture this man in the third act is all the funnier.
1: Well, <laughs> like, and Yeah. And like he is in his own movie until the very end of this thing. Yeah. Tim like, in the it, Paul
3: Winfield show. Yeah. Sort of- <laughs> By the yeah, way, I, second Paul Winfield movie of the summer, big, yeah, Polly, summer.
1: big Polly summer. Um, By the way, random trivia. This was one of Natasha
5: Leone's first movies. Yeah. First on-screen kiss. Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. And uh, this. So also the. So the finale of this movie. I was watching. I'm like, you could grab some horrifying looking stills from this end or and make (laughs) memes out of people like Dennis. The men Like, like he Dennis looks menacing like they I mean menace for real like there's fire and he's like torturing him with beans and then he, just, he
3: harnesses his menace powers
1: <laughs> even in you know even in daylight Christopher Lloyd looks terrifying like the, then they add shadow and like flame like yeah, you know, it's like jeez even when he's getting tortured he looks scary who? like I would say it's if it didn't look so good I would say this is a mess but that was fine like it, it's just it's wild and it's a like, it's not this level,
3: but it's like a Marx Brothers comedy at the end. Like, it's so funny just seeing all the terrible that yeah. <laughs> Dennis is like when he has to, like, he handcuffs him and then he drops the keys and the beans. And so, now, yeah. and so he has to feed him all of the beans in order to get the key. <laughs> and you just see him with beans all over his face. Oh, yeah. And this great shot of his, like, stomach that's full of beans. Like, it's just so layered of nonsense. Like, and, and Ebert said no to this? I don't know, man. Oh, man. What I mean, theater is he watching this movie and not being like, this is funny?
1: <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, th- this is, yeah. His name is Switchblade Sam. Switchblade- <laughs> I want, like, I want Fright Rags to make a Switchblade Sam shirt. Can they get, like, the Dennis the Menace license? And make, like, <laughs> I would wear it, and people are like, "What's Switchblade Sam?" I'm like, uh,
3: "This should that should be a Direct TV commercial where Christopher Lloyd <laughs> <laughs> Switchblade oh, Sam, God, what's
1: going on?'
3: He would <laughs> too. Get Doc out of here. Get
1: Switchblade Sam into advertise <laughs> Direct TV. <laughs> I, I I have a question. Like, so I noticed when I was doing research for this, like, there was a sequel to this movie, kind of, where they don't yeah. bring anybody the same back, but they.
3: They, they
1: have Don Rickles as uh, yeah. Wilson. Yeah, Don. Oh, jeez. And then there's like there other like attempts, like TV movie or like straight to video things, like dating back as far as what was it? So, like, oh, what was it? Two thousand seven. There was a Dennis the Menace Christmas. Um, that probably was the TV or no straight to video and had robert wagner and louise fletcher Naturally. robert wagner as you know Wilson, dennis yeah yeah dennis <laughs> but is this this is and godfrey was in it wow okay um gilbert godfrey no godfrey the comedian, the comedian godfrey yeah comedian godfrey yeah the other God,
3: yeah. I was uh, I was I was I was legitimately asking you. <laughs> it, was, it it wouldn't have surprised
1: me either way. <laughs> oh um but like this is a property that's like someone keeps will pick up but like isn't it one that like the relevancy is just like like it's, the yeah. the nineties would have been like its last at bat, right? Like
3: yeah, it's like that with like like Casper and getting TV sequels. Yeah Adam's family, which some which has resonated again. Like it's the it, Adam's family is so like it has like these weird peaks and values. Like, yeah, movies, eh, maybe not so much of the sequel for whatever reason. Okay, fine. TV movie. Wait, what? Animated movie? Wednesday series? Like it's, just, like, it's all over the
1: place. Adams Family's been managed to like they don't. I think they don't. They take time enough time off and figure out how to recycle Adams Family because that the first one of those animated ones was pretty popular, right? That they did recently. Yes, um, the second one did about as really well as Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And during yeah. harder, harsher COVID times too, yes. right? Yeah, I still uh, like I'm the shock how well the first cartoon did. To be fair, I, I still like the
3: trolling that it was people fan casting Oscar Isaac and like what Charlie's Theron or Eva Green for for forever as live action. And they're like, All we'll right. put the best voices for the cartoon.
1: Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, they so like yeah, like that. That is a brand that's as old as the, you know this, but managed to stay relevant. But a lot of these like the little rascals and you know some of the others i mentioned they're just like yeah they just it's it's little rascals which I is see. among
3: like the best of the movies that came out around this time like yeah, uh, yeah. Of the movies that are enclosed in this period that's i think like yeah. the one, if not the but like the best one like it yeah. does the
1: job because i think you know these the ip is like part of it is hitting the right audience with it so if you could make like if you bring one of those back like today like don't aim it at the adults. Try to refurbish it and make it just for the kids and see if they can find a way to react to it. But
3: well, they're, also, they're also just drawing from naturally where the time here to be like we're 2020, so naturally mm-hmm. you draw, you, know, you make a, that 70 show remake, right? That's 30, that's what makes sense now. Like, you yeah, know, you're making, well, you
1: know, like making, when you make Wednesday, be like, well, everybody, you know, we never, she never, she's always a fun side piece that you could actually do something with on the Adams family when they do a proper thing with, let, let's make a focus on her and reverse it. But let the adults be the side. It,
3: side. But that, I argue the nostalgia for that is coming from the nineties movies, as opposed to the yeah, family sure. show or the comics right. or like that, because it's cashing in on Wednesday's dark and weird, just like Christina Ricci was in the films as opposed to being not really that in the series. Like, I mean, you know, it's the Addo family. So it's by, de- by default macabre, but it's right. not like, you know, Burton light, like it is in the movie.
1: True, 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 true or Sonofeld Burton yeah. Light and then it becomes, yeah. Yeah. becomes actually Burton actually Burton <laughs> true true but yeah uh, Dennis Semen's not terrible it's entirely <laughs> pleasant and that's
3: fine Fits and has what should be a you know Peabody award-winning performance from Christopher Light to Sam Switchblade Sam so uh, you know yeah
1: say so too uh, speaking of performing let's see how Janet Jackson is performing this week on the top 10 Casey Kasem she's number one again surprise okay that's the way love goes same song number two week by swv number three knocking the boots by h-town these are all the same freak me by silk at four have i told you lately rod stewart hanging at five six show me love by robin s number seven come undone by duran duran finally something changed here and all i gotta say is whoop there it is, there it is. By tag team Back again has hit number eight, (laughs) so there we go. Uh, and coming in at number nine, joining the top 10 Dre Day by Dr. Dre, Uh and bad boys falls to number 10 by Inner Circle. So, bad boys, bad boys, probably not gonna make it next week. I'm enjoying his time, but whoop, there it is. I'm
3: not the best with music now, like, I know what I like and whatnot, but like, I can tell you right now, in the 90s, in that that period whoop there it is Was a song that i heard and played a lot <laughs> it was very mm-hmm. much very much a cassette that i had somewhere
1: <laughs> everybody knew that yeah everybody uh that in and,
3: the and, uh, and the teenage Mutant ninja turtles 2 soundtrack of vanilla ice those are the two things that are probably going on at my cassette player <laughs> and there
1: we go there we go so good people were calling into radio stations requesting it like crazy uh just like some people called into stations to talk to you know, psychiatric help people in sleepless in Seattle. Smash the like button, folks. <laughs> For more segues like that, click like and subscribe. When's the last time you were out there? Jimmy Carter, 1978.
5: This Saturday night, TriStar Pictures invites you to a special sneak preview.
1: I
0: am having all of these fantasies about some man I have never even met.
5: Of a movie critics are calling hilarious, one of the year's best films, a 10. It's magic wraps around your heart. Think Carrie Grant. Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, ah! Sleepless in Seattle. This is crazy. Rated PG. Special sneak-
1: Directed by Nora Ephron, this being her second film, written by Nora Ephron and David S. Ward on a story by Jeff Arch, starring Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Ross Malinger, Rita Wilson, as his sister, Tom Hanks' sister. In-law. As they were. Okay, fine. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Victor Garber, carrie Lowell, Bill Pullman, David Hyde Pierce, because it's in Seattle, and Francis Conroy, a recently widowed man's son calls a radio talk show in an attempt to find his father a partner. Sleepless in Seattle. So, to me, I if I after I finish watching this, I'm like, this is nothing more. In a cute little movie that I'm sure someone overthinking it has probably found some way of showing how awful it is and how bad these people are for uh, what this means for society or how awful we were back in 93. But I think in 1993, it was just, an oh, I had a cute time at the movies and it made me feel good, but I'm sure I can scour and find how problematic it was. But Nora Ephron did say our dream was to make a movie about how movies screw with your up your brain about love and then if we did a good job we would become one of the movies that would screw up people's brains and love forever so there you go uh,
3: that doesn't justify mixed nuts but fine i can deal with that for sleepless in seattle
1: <laughs> there you go there you go the second of the tom hanks meg ryan trilogy first being joe versus the volcano and then the third being you've got mail so aaron are you sleepless did you fall asleep to sleepless in seattle
3: I uh, really like this movie I always have I've it's the one I've of the three um I've seen I've probably seen the least um so it's like it's hard not that you need to rank these in order to qualify them but it's the one that I held less high because I for whatever reason I've seen you got mail a lot. I really like that movie and I think part of that comes down to the fact that I think Hanks and Ryan have very good chemistry together Mm -hmm. and this is a movie that very much deliberately holds them apart for so much of the the majority of the movie Um, so you don't really get that you get more of the conversations between others around the fact or what have you not a bad thing, it's not like this cast is bad you've got Rob Reiner and Hanks improv it up at a clam restaurant or whatever and you've got right donald and, and ryan doing their thing like there's a lot of fun to be had with this film as far as the different characters you get in that classic rom- st- rom-com style getting a lot of different opinions and ideas and just a sense of fun to go with the romance and the legit drama that's at play given that hanks is a widower and ryan is very empathetic like all that stuff comes together really well um it's a it's a very good movie it's very it, and it, takes, it 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 takes, gives you a great reason to understand why Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks would be essentially superstars at this time. Because you spend, like I just said, a majority of this movie not seeing these two together. The two stars of this movie mm-hmm. not sharing the same screen. So by the time you get to the end of this movie and you have very little time to get the idea that these two are going to be together... The fact that you can look at Tom Hanks' face and look at Meg Ryan's face and absolutely believe that they are going to make that work and, like, feel something for that, that's very impressive. That's good A-list actor stuff. And so the fact that the movie is able to build so much goodwill about that because you just genuinely like these two people and you even don't feel bad that Bill Pullman's being, you know, tossed aside because he seems like a perfectly nice guy. But he's like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> the fact that they can make all that work, I think, is quite impressive. Uh, so like, yeah, in the in the realm of these Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks rom-com movies, I think Jill vs. Volcano is fantastic. It's also very stylish and whatnot. And I think You've Got Male has a, just even being a remake of a brilliant film shop around the corner, I still think it has a very endearing quality, just given the cast and the setting and the way Hanks and Ryan play off each other. This movie... It's not like the stars, the the ranking I have or the the rating I have of it is any different. It's, they're all just really good, and this is just a very good, kind of classic '90s rom com that works. So, I agree. Yeah, way uh, better than House of Cards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Agreed. Scott, you want to defend yourself? There, shots fired. Well, you're not wrong. I just <laughs> was weirdly.
5: Mm-hmm. Intrigued by it.
3: Oh.
5: Um, but no, this is a terrific picture. It wasn't, you know, the di- the discourse in 1993 was mostly about, you know, that this rom-com aimed at women kicked Arnold Schwarzenegger's ass at the box office. And would Hollywood learn anything from that? Spoiler alert, they did not. Um, that being said, it, re-watching it for the first time in a very long time, it is interesting to see a film... That plays on very old movies aimed at adults. Yeah. In this film, aimed at adults, Mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, something like this isn't a criticism necessarily, but you know, you watch Super Eight and you're expected to be somewhat kind of sort of aware of, you know, the Goonies and ET and what have you. But those are films that people saw when they were kids or there were films that were aimed at kids. This is an adult picture, even though, I mean, it's, I think it's PG. Yeah, it certainly yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's yeah, and you know, understandably there's very little it's
3: speaking unquote. for themes. That's what it says on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thematic elements, I guess. No, no, literally no, it just says themes. That's no, what it fair says. enough.
5: And it's you know, again, it's it's it it banks on the strong, strong star power of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. And that may be an obvious statement, but there's a reason why. This was this, you know, a year before I had a league of her own. And then this was sort of the start of Tom Hanks's run as the biggest, basically America's dad, if you want to use the cliche, but basically, you know, the biggest movie star in America, give or take what Tom Cruise is up to at any given
3: time. Because um, you yeah, know, would follow this up later this year, right? Yeah. I'm sorry? It's Philadelphia later this year.
5: Yes, Philadelphia Jim. was this, this year. He would win the Oscar for that. And then the next year would be Forrest Gump, which he would win the Oscar for that. It would make $600 million worldwide. And then in 1995, he would do Toy Story. And which, Apollo yeah, 13. Apollo
3: 13. And Apollo was, 13, yeah. Was another which, like, is he going to do a third Oscar? Like, he's just yeah. like. Yeah. Well, he's which, great in it also. So. Which,
1: Scott, uh, when we did the. Uh, Tim Burton retrospective. We talked uh, Depp uh, when he was doing Willy Wonka uh, was also recording Corpse Bride dialogue audio for that movie at the same time. Hank's here during Sleepless Seattle is recording Toy Story at the same time. I oh, did not yeah. know that, but that that's makes
3: old, sense. That's how old the, the recording was. For yeah. yeah, yeah,
5: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, And that is a film that, yes, it's an animated film from Disney, blah, blah, blah. But a huge part of that film's initial appeal was it was a Tom Hanks star vehicle. Um, And it was certainly a, you know, the character. And now of the now it is also, it is the,
3: the double Oh, yeah, like yeah, star I mean, yes, the, world, like, the two yeah. of
5: them, you know, he was at peak fame because of home improvement. But, yes, it was – you know, very much a star vehicle that was also an animated picture, even more so than I would say The Lion King. Um Aladdin's a different story because you have mostly voice actors that have one superstar in a supporting role, but I digress. Um the film, I mean, in retrospect, I, I Bill Pullman sort of gets the short end of the stick. I think he's clumsier and goofier and more foppish than he needs to be, but
3: he gets a really sweet final scene. And, and he, he had a run of from. Vengeance. He comes back with a vengeance, and while you were sleeping, yeah,
5: yeah, he gets- exactly. Yeah, yeah. last yeah, time yeah. he plays the the wrong man so often that you know, while you were sleeping, was almost built as finally Bill Pullman gets the girl. A, um, a return
3: to Spaceballs.
5: Yeah, and that's <laughs> the weird thing is is watching it this time. It's like he's playing Prince Vesper or whatever in this one, Yeah. <laughs> or whatever that character. I've. Uh, uh
3: The prince in Spaceballs. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's yeah, it's like um, princess
1: prince. yeah. She's no, prince, she's Princess
3: Vespa. Yes, yes, and uh, he's Vespa. He, he's he's Prince Valiant. Valium, yes, Valium, Valium. Valium yeah, uh, uh, yes. he says he says Valium, but he means Valiant. The chick, yes, yeah. yeah. um That's when Spaceballs chat. <laughs> <laughs> but th- no, this it's not a deal breaker. It just it is
5: what it is. um And a lot of romantic comedies will have some kind of other partner that must be not defeated, but you know, sometimes defeated. I mean, you have something like the wedding crashers where you know, Owen Wilson has to defeat Bradley Cooper.
3: He's like a villain. Like it's weird that they make weird, but it's interesting that they make Bill Bill Pullman. Like, there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong. There's nothing inherently wrong with this person. No, this this was part of a period where
1: he's James Marsden in Superman Returns.
5: Yeah, (laughs) I think I think between movies like that and the Santa Claus and Liar Liar, I think Hollywood started realizing that you can have more compelling drama in a comedy if the romantic rival isn't a dickhead. Right. Now, sometimes that backfires. Where by the end of Liar Liar, I like. I, I don't trust this character. I don't want me or turning <laughs> and her son to ditch Carrie Elwes and run off with him because he's just going to be an asshole the next time. But
3: whatever. Yeah, he, he learned a lesson, but also Carrie Elwes is presented as so much of a dweeb in that movie. Like Bill Pullman. Yeah, the, yeah. He's a he's a decent person. <laughs> like that's the yeah. thing. Like, but they yeah they they go too far with like you just like Bradley Cooper. Is very much designed to be a villain in. Britain. Yeah, he's he's almost like, too. I mean, one of my issues with
5: Wedding Crashers is that he's terrified.
3: No, yeah, he's he's legit. Like I'm su- I'm so surprised that I became you know much more yeah caring for him in other movies based on just how much I think of him as both like dorky guy and alias and uber bro <laughs> in in Wedding Crashers, A Team, Hangover, Hangover Two. Like it's just a weird. And
5: Aaron, now you've made Michael Vartan cry.
3: Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Bill Pullman. It is interesting to see, like, because that's you know, I think that's what makes Efron both at the Efrons. It's her yeah. and sister. They wrote this together, I believe. Or she's a producer, and I think she like helped, right? Mm-hmm. With, like, whatever WGA. But now um, th- those are interesting choices that the F- that the Efrons are making. As far as we could just make Meg Ryan single, but we're not going to. We're going to make it different. We're going to make it we're going to give her like layers to work with as far as hearing about this guy and having this other husband that she's not sure having a fiance. She's not um, entirely sure about like, that's, that's, that's stuff. That's stuff that makes characters work and not just generic sitcom stuff. It also makes
5: it, you know, understandably more of a concrete choice that she makes. It's not right. a matter of she's single. What has she got to lose? Might as well exactly. see what happens. Yeah. Right.
1: It makes it. Yeah. It, it makes it a, like a journey for both of them. Yeah. At the time to get there, or just all the, you know, the obstacles of his. Like she believes in the possibility of it, and he does not. And then, but she, she can't just hop over to show him. She's got all this, you know, kind of. Not in the way, but there's a lot of life to deal with in order for her to get that way. And he's struggling kind of to find and accepting whatever's there at first because, well, well, someone's there. someone like, yeah, you know, oh. someone likes me. But
3: we haven't talked about the boy at all, also his son, who's great mm-hmm. in this movie. Yep. He is yeah yeah, I mean, he's, he's he does exactly what's need to be done he's he's good without being like, you know, too cutesy. Like I think yeah. the way he's positioned in this film. Even with the dialogue, that's very you know stylized for a movie or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like it works without making him. What's the word? I don't know. Dakota. (laughs) Coin. Yeah. He's
5: not that jackass from Last Action Hero, that's for sure. Exactly, he's not that jackass
3: from that
1: bad movie, Last Action. (laughs) Well, they did, and they didn't, and they didn't like the kid from uh, Jerry Maguire. They didn't do that to him back then. Yeah, he's not like like, yeah. Overexpose him for two years and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. They yeah, I
5: mean, this is, you know, 30 years later, considered one of the more celebrated modern romantic comedies of all time. Mm-hmm. And I can certainly see why. It has a great pitch. It has a great high concept. It has two rom-com friendly movie stars at the height of their fame, at the height of their star power. Taken over and the also, 90s. Yeah. And also, I mean, this was back when Tom Hanks was still known as some of the, sort of a smart actor smart Alec comedian so you know that had a certain dry humor that he would occasionally dip back
3: into afterwards but is it's almost like an escape. He, t- he tends to do like a one for him one for me in that regard yeah yeah it'll be that in philadelphia it'll be yeah we're about to see the 30. change yeah, it'll, yeah. Be, it'll be that thing you do in saving private right like it it'll, it'll, yeah he, that thing you
5: do yeah. i remember being like oh there's this tom hanks it's been a couple of years
1: yeah um and yeah, this is the year where the shift happens, where the more drama, like yeah. Philadelphia yeah. comes and it's all, you know, people want to see him, but it's because people want to see him do that again. But then yeah. there's also the old. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's good he's all, at giving people what they want. What helps um, is
3: he's very, he is he's very good at doing that. And he's mm-hmm. very good at doing that in different kinds of genres or different kinds of layers of drama, because mm-hmm. it's not easy to be. That charismatic and likable in a movie where you have AIDS and you're going to die eventually, like you know, (laughs) or be alone on an island and helpless and figure things out. You need to be Tom Hanks movie star charisma to make that work for two. Well, there
1: used to be that joke when Philadelphia came out. It was like I'm going to go see the new Tom Hanks movie. It's like (laughs) I have AIDS. Ah ha ha ha! You know, like. (laughs) Well, I mean, without getting into
5: a broader discourse, I mean, that's the value of having movie stars playing characters like that Mm -hmm. it's it's and i I know there's a whole conversation about you know should gay people straight people play gay characters and you know is you know what counts as authenticity or whatever but for a film like philadelphia was supposed to be sort of an advocating message film you want someone that the unconverted adore you know you see someone that maybe to you is an other being portrayed in a Mm -hmm. sympathetic way by someone that you love and that's where star power is of value.
3: Yeah, that's Even the that's the ideal you go for. That's yeah. why there's a you know that's why something like Green Book wins Best Picture because it's like yeah. the message being that there's nothing wrong with inherently what it's trying to do. It's just like, well, what are we who who's winning this? Like who, who's <laughs> um, who we need? That's that's definitely going to see this. It's going to be changed in some way or affected. Like I get what that is as far as yes, you cast somebody because he's both bankable and because it can lead to a, a new conversation that's rewarding overall doesn't always happen that way like i, no, under- I mean you know
5: it's but I, I would say you know a film like philadelphia and a film like quality notwithstanding i love you chuck and larry or i pronoun- pronounce you chuck and larry those films do a lot more good preaching to the unconverted than you know something like milk which good movie but not that many people are already on the side of the angels are going to show up for milk
1: they serve as gateway movies
5: yeah, yeah, that's they,
1: actually cuz yeah. they meet them at some point at some terms but then start educating them once they've related and uh, And you answers. know, it's it's no secret Are we're that, we not
3: know, supposed to root for Josh Rowland and Bill cuz that's not how it was- <laughs> <sighs> um, um hit that subscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> uh in <"Sleeping laughs> the cattle. Um it isn't like big well acted. Um it's a real, like, because this this gets undersung. Nora Ephron knows what she's doing as a filmmaker. It's a well-made movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yes. a looking movie. It sounds like it has a good score. Like It 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 feels of its time without feeling, like, stuck in the 90s, if you know what I mean. Like, it has a certain, I want, I don't want to say timeless, but it feels very deliberate in the choices it's making without making those choices feel reflective of specifically the 90s.
1: Well, and I, one thing I like about the movie's, like, pace is, like, it feels relaxed and not stressed. Like, yeah. it, you don't like because there, there's other filmmakers that could have pushed the limits of the time constraint, the Meg Ryan situation, getting to places, but it feels very casual. It lets people live their lives and be like, not like, ah, it's coming out here. But like, I, I just watching, I'm just like calmed by the uh, kind of calmed by this movie, yeah. even though there are stakes, there is. You know, wanting them to get together, but I kind of feel like if they don't, things will be okay. I just really want to see them together. Yeah, you really know, that. like
3: like and the characters feel like it. It's when you have O'Donnell and Meg like just having conversations. It makes like a lot. Like it works. It feels good to like have characters that seem like friends have realistic conversations, or at least ones that don't feel out of the ordinary they feel fitting of the story obviously but it's it's done well and they're shot well and they're blocked well like it's a good i just i want to emphasize that because i think i do think nori effort was a good filmmaker beyond just Mm -hmm. like being known for rom-coms like she knew how to direct movies rom-coms can be made well too yeah like Uh. like like uh what's it tom hanks has a i know this because tom hanks has like a houseboat thing or whatever right and uh Mm -hmm. my my lovely girlfriend she did like a whole college project about like the production design of that movie like it's it's neat to think about it in like these regards and not just looking at it from like the star aspect or whatever. Right. And this also,
1: was her second directorial feature. Yeah. And, um, and a big one. Um, you mentioned, uh, Sarah, I'd like to note, Aaron, the uh, summer O'Donnell begins. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, one thing I, one scene I like that I just don't think would exist in a movie today because they play things too safe and they'd be worried about. Uh, one scene being offending both sides of people for some reason. The, rep- in the film is the when Tom Hanks and Victor Garber are given Rita Wilson shit about crying during <laughs> movies, and they're talking about the dirty dozen. I Which love it. It's, a- <laughs> it. it's hilarious in ways, and it's allowing men to be like a hole. You know, like like stupid. But I could see today someone shying away from a scene like that because you might piss off women, you might piss off the guys, you might piss off people like that, like, and they're just, that just left alone, but back, it's nice to see people being, like, fucking human in these things, and not, like, algorithm scripting. The that best
3: to happen. You, you, you can tell there's a lot of great collaboration between Hanks and Efron and this kind of thing, with, between this and, and You've Got Mail, because there's a lot of, like, what if Hank's just riffed on a movie he liked for, like, five minutes, and it's, like, right. that and it's Godfather and You've Got Mail, like, he just gets to just, like, play around, and it entirely feels like, what if my character just, like, had some fun for a sec, like, and, and that fits, because, like you're saying, it's this mm-hmm. kind of relaxed, but You've Got Mail is very similar, where there's a lot of just scenes of them enjoying the space yeah yes yeah that's very welcome
1: yeah yeah there's probably a lot cut from this movie just letting people go or something but like everybody feels comfortable in their own shoes they feel like lived in the 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 side character casting in these things is always important great and it's good here uh like it, it just it's fun it works it's you can see exactly why this is a you know pivotal you know piece of romantic comedy uh through the year cinema and um yeah i i just it's impressive and there you know the notable thing is they share two minutes of screen time together in this whole movie and they don't get together till the very end and just kind of a dumbfounded okay well i guess we'll try it um uh, type <laughs> thing. and but the fact that it's so romantic with them not even together like it's crazy um but that's the magic of this movie
3: yeah it's a it yeah like it the sidekick. Yeah, you know, not to be a broken record, but it's a
5: solid, solid, well-made studio programmer. Yeah. Back during a time when, to a certain extent, this this level of competence and craft was more or less taken for granted.
3: Yeah, people. Tr- you can trust having like just a good cast and a you know a solid premise, and I like it when it, with these kind of rom coms where it's like them and the friends as opposed to them and the family where like like when Harry met Sally somewhere, right? Where it's like, let's just have them with like their yeah, and see how that works. Where... I noticed this trend in rom coms where, like, something like, and there's good examples, but like, sleepless, was, uh, sleep, um, when, when, uh, while you're sleeping mm-hmm. or my best friend's wedding, it's like, it's not just the friends and the couple, it's, and their whole family's here too. And look at our wacky, <laughs> <laughs> Peter Boyle or whoever back there doing his thing. Like, <laughs> that's a weird trend where it's like, we got to get everybody involved. I guess Moonstruck yeah. is the real, <laughs> the oh real gosh, yeah. That but that's, that, that movie's fucking amazing. So,
1: yep. Oh, yeah. No, th- they, um, yeah they, they, I don't know where to go with that, but no, it worked out. uh we only got we only get this casting of the movie because I guess Hanks and Ryan were supposed to do a movie called Inns of New England for Lawrence Kazdan, but uh, it got cancelled uh for budget reasons, and they just sounds like a real
3: snooze fest wandered in-
1: over to Studio B and filmed su- Sleep Us in Seattle
3: Inns of New England oh, it, yeah, oh like God, that sounds already. that sounds like far
1: and away again. Nobody wants <laughs> that. yeah um. And this one also was the first film to use the brand new Tristar logo that would run yeah. until 2015. <laughs> monumental, monumental. But yeah, this is—I mean, this is Hanks and Ryan ascending to top of the world. Of course, we still have Tom Hanks all the time, and Meg Ryan became Steve Gutenberg of the 90s. But happened, <laughs> I guess. But I mean, I mean, she was like on top of the world, and then
3: proof of life.
1: <laughs> yeah
3: I, I, um, but her I mean, so, her son's I, I doing very well you can point to that exact example it's that yep. exact movie <laughs> that's where things just seem it, it, like in the cut shares after that but proof of life that's where it's just like just immediately gone, <laughs> like, gone. Every-
5: <laughs> I mean I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory that her career entirely capsized just because of the backlash of her you know, cheating on Dennis Quaid with Russell Crowe, but it certainly didn't help. I mean, and I think other reason, Scott. So i welcome to hear it. Well, I just think it's the general downturn in rom coms as a mainstream
1: genre, right? Around other that actors that prevailed, but, yeah, yeah um, but, but you were still getting, yeah, the rom coms, yeah. you're still getting them. Others are still doing it. <laughs> How to um, Lose a Guy in 10 Days that was huge. Um. Maybe it was just that. I I yeah. It's literally that
3: movie. Yeah. <laughs> thousand. It's not like it ended right then. They ended in like 2010. Like that's what rom coms. Yeah.
1: yeah, we always argued about the reconnaissance that he was already doing well. He was just doing rom coms. Yeah. Like it was oh, it, yeah, it's no, so, they were the still prevalent. They were still doing good.
3: the It's pr- it's, pr- it's pr- uh, uh with with Omar Gooding. Yes. Uh, not Omar, um the other one. Um Epps or Epps, sorry, juice Eps. juice, <laughs> juice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the ropes or against the, yes, against the ropes. Against the ropes. But a proof me. of life. You know, she got in that helicopter with David Morris and got the fuck out of rom
5: coms. That's what happened to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but she did Kate and Leopold, which did okay. And then in the cut, that was her the passing ropes. the
1: torch to Hugh Jackson. Yeah. Like, you'd exactly. be the star now.
5: <laughs> yeah. And then she just didn't do rom coms again, more or less. Movies. <laughs> she didn't do like much. She started fading. Yeah, she does GF, but she really not vanished until the end of the 2000s.
3: Mm. You can say you can say end of 2000s all you want because you have a list in front of you. No one can name a Meg Ryan movie (laughs) that that is after Kate Leopold. Leopold. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no one's looking at you and saying, "Oh yeah, the women that came out." Like no one cares. Like, (laughs) you mean serious midnight wasn't a comeback vehicle?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh. But, yeah. Either way, it's our loss.
1: Yeah. Sleep in Seattle. Uh, classic for a reason. Still good. And yeah, a great way to cap off this episode. But before we head on to the box office, let's uh, once again visit the video store for the rental collections from Yancey's Tales from the Video Store. When you're a major star, you do things in a big way. Big cars. Big house.
2: Big ego.
1: Big ego. So when I want a movie, I want a big selection. No, no, no. I mean really big.
3: Like at Major Video. Here's big news
5: for kids. Nintendo loaded with surprises. Nintendo packed with punch.
4: Nintendo now rent a wide variety of Nintendo games at Major Video, the Super Video Store. Basically where I grew up, when I was living in the house where I lived, where I rented Day of the Dead and dropped those 20s. Mm-hmm. It, it was on, it was right on PCH, uh, Pacific Coast Highway, right across the street from a big Ralph's and the big Hermosa Beach windmill. And if you went, I'm never good with directions, but if you went north on your bicycle for 30 minutes, you would pass video archives on the way to the Manhattan Mall where they had a Man 6 movie theater where I saw Batman and everything okay. else. And so every Sunday of my life, I biked. Past video archives, and my father and I used to go in um because they did have a really good selection, especially when they first started, probably before the porn. If they, if they had porn at this time, I don't know, but they had stuff like, and I hate to say it that but they had stuff like the TV version of Amos and Andy, which was actually black actors for what it's worth. It was not the blackface stuff, mm-hmm. but my dad was a big fan of that. They had the whole Amos and Andy VHS set, but and no one else did Music Plus, wouldn't have that. The chain stores wouldn't. So I've been in there a few times. And then To the opposite of where I lived, if you went in the same direction for about 30 minutes, so south, you would pass my high school that I eventually went to later on and walked to the whole time, Redondo Union High School. And if you went another 10 minutes, you would see video outtakes, which is the sort of alternate sister store of video archives. And they're connected in ways I've never quite understood, some arcane, some dark ways, but they're basically sort of sister stores, one you never hear about, which is video outtakes. And video outtakes was like such an incredible, it was run by this guy called Dean. And he wore like a, uh, he dressed like the captain in Gilligan's Island. And he lived behind the video (laughs) store with, uh, in in a, in a camper. And his, the only other person who I remember working there was his son, Tony. Okay. And one time we all thought uh, Steve had been killed because he was missing for a few days. And we thought that Tony had killed him.
1: Oh gosh.
4: (laughs) That's not, that's a a different video store. That's a different video store story. But, um, so basically these two it, there's a guy called robert who's another really good friend of mine who actually got me the job working at video archives and he worked at video archives for years and years he may have actually been the guy who replaced quentin tarantino when he left for all i know he would, he'd worked there for three years when i was a customer most of the time at archives by myself mm-hmm. robert was the guy i got tonight he was my buddy robert was the guy who convinced me that john carpenter was great which of course he was right about and so one day robert and steve and i were video outtakes. at and dean who ran the place was unflappable he didn't care what you rented obviously they also had a huge porn section and this place was so intense that it was a pretty tiny store so Mm -hmm. most of the video the most of the video boxes which were broken down meaning they'd taken out the foam and flattened it out and you had to rifle through these laminated vhs covers he had so many videos in the back there, but he could barely get around this guy. He was pretty old and, and, and large. So, you you know, yeah. part of your heart always broke when you gave him a, a stack of videos to get because it would take him 10 minutes to go back to there and get him. But anyway, young men are not always considered whatever I was. There with Steve and Robert one time, Robert, who I mentioned from, from archives and Steve, who's this crazy guy that hates me now. And who also worked at Archives, actually, at the very <laughs> end. At the very, at the very end. I met him at Video Archives while I was working there, and he was a customer. Anyway, he and I, the three of us were video outtakes, and we thought, let's try to flap Unflappable Dean by giving him a choice of three rentals by bringing him three movies to rent that are thematically tied. So we brought up to him the VHS boxes of Fist with Sylvester Stallone, mm-hmm. Fingers with Harvey Keitel, and Dick with you know Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, It was the masturbation theme. We brought up Fist, Fingers, and Dick. We (laughs) thought it was hilarious. He just rented us the movies, four tapes, because Fist was two tapes. Oh, okay. So we just took the movies. Nobody thought it was funny but us. And perhaps (laughs) one or two of your (laughs) listeners.
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) What? Was Fist that long?
4: I can't remember. This is like 100... It was two VHS tapes, I think. Oh, gosh. Okay.
1: All right. Now we're back with the box office. Scott, how did were the dinos uh, yes we getting extinction here or no oh no what happened
5: $27.69 million in weekend three for a 28% drop. Actually, added seven screens for a 2,444 screen total, bringing its 17 day cum to $171 million domestic on its way to 357 domestic and approximately 925 worldwide, not counting any re releases, of which there would be a few. Uh, State of Seattle came in second place with seven, $17.25 million. Um, it would eventually earn, I think, two twenty two.
3: Yeah, Something crazy, mm-hmm.
5: right? Yeah. But it, again, movies made money back then. You know, It wasn't this kind of do-or-die madness that we see today. I'm stalling because I need to... Hold on a second. I had the page open, but I closed it. Yeah. $228 million in a $21 million budget. Worldwide? Uh, what was that? Worldwide? Uh, Sleepless in Seattle. $21 million. Worldwide? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, worldwide. Uh, domestically, it made, I think, like 115 $127. Uh, Dennis the Menace was in third place with $9.3 million on its way to a $51 million domestic. Oh,
3: yeah. And 170 What was that? The second weekend's the Switchblade Sam Bump. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs>
5: um 117 worldwide <laughs> um on a 35 million dollar budget and then poor old last action hero dropped 47 which
1: was pretty big for 1993 yeah, wow
5: <laughs> yeah that's that's batman returns that's a batman returns drop
1: um yeah, but it didn't debut like batman returns either it, exactly it, it's fifth place like that's bad yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, arnold movie uh, like
5: that <laughs> eight million dollars for a 30 million dollar 10 day total coming in at fifth place was the wide expansion semi-wide of what's love got to do with it, which we discussed last week. Mm-hmm. The film would expand to 1091 theaters for a $5.48 million weekend, bringing its 17 day total to $13.2 million. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it would peak next weekend in terms of screen count and gross as it would turn out with 1100 theaters over the july 4th weekend um it would eventually earn 39 domestic uh brrr. other than that it's pretty much holdovers from may a cliffhanger in sixth place it's made in america in seventh guilty of sin in eighth menace society in ninth and good old dave still kicking along Ooh. in 10th place and it's eighth weekend of release <laughs> Dave, it,
3: dave. the
1: summer do it dave
3: <laughs> I like how we're so much big fans of the fact that David made it in America and made a, like <laughs> <trunk of> money.
1: <laughs> like these
3: other ones, fine, good job for them. But David made it American, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh.
5: For the record. Uh, House of Cards opened in six theaters, earned a whopping twelve thousand seven hundred and fifty-three dollars, oh, to man. eventually earn a domestic total of three hundred twenty-two thousand eight hundred and seventy-one dollars.
3: That they had to pay to the American Autism Association for an apology. That is possibly, <laughs> um, and that's the box office for the weekend.
2: All right,
5: and okay. uh next weekend show, what the hell did I just?
1: Do? I'll tell you in a little bit okay so that'll do it for J- June 25th to 27th which means June is complete for 1993. um <laughs> Scott and Aaron thank you for uh discussing these three wildly different films with me today uh before we sign out let people know where they keep up with you Aaron
3: you can find me writing for We Live Entertainment for my movie reviews. I'm on Wise Blue for Blu-ray and Criterion Reviews. I host a podcast called Out Now Out, Aaron and Abe. My friend Abe and I discuss new movies on a weekly basis. We probably just talked about, like, Transformers or something this week. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. All
1: right. Scott?
5: Uh, I'm at therap.com, and I'm on Twitter at, at Scott Mendelson.
1: And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work at ysoblue.com. Next week, we have much to do about nothing as Polly Shore stands firm against the seven dwarves. <laughs> All that and more as the summer of 93 at 30 continue. It's the
2: summer of 93 at 30.
0: Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production produced by brad shoemaker and brandon peters written and edited by brandon peters announcer vocals by jessica alsman theme song by metavari web design and show art by brad shoemaker with brandon peters all music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended the summer of and news themes by press Maxson. additional information on this and other episodes at the for any inquiries press opportunities or sponsorship contact mail at the the show is available on apple Podcasts, spotify or anywhere podcasts are found